How are you doing tonight? Good. So who remembers what we're studying? What? Parables. Yeah, good. Okay. So the word parable means what? Okay. Yeah, it's kind of like the word parallel, parable. It means to draw alongside. And um, even the word parabolic, which is a geometric uh, description, parabolic is is something that is divided down the middle and there's equal area in both sides, but you have to make a comparison. So uh, parable is really a, a Greek word in its origin, but it means to draw alongside. Jesus was a master teacher in that he had the ability to take earthly things that everybody could relate to, like sheep and seeds and uh, produce and all kinds of things, wedding feasts even, and and then he would he would take that common idea in the mind of, of men and women and then he would teach a spiritual story, which was sometimes a little deep. Even his own apostles on occasions would ask him, okay, nice story, but what did it mean? Tell us the meaning, interpret for us. So we'll see that on some occasions. So I, I gave out a list last time we met. Um, we had the Bible Bowl throwdown last Wednesday night, but the week before was a list of some of the parables and I do appreciate Jim Olinger, who produced yet another book from Eldred Eccles. Eldred was quite the prolific writer, wasn't he? But I'm really enjoying reading Eldred's book, and actually I have an excerpt I want to read out of that. Um, but it's a nice study guide, and I've enjoyed it. Thank you, Jim, for this. We're not using this book exclusively, but it's uh, an interesting guide. So I wanted to give a little credit to Brother Eldred. I wish I could meet with Eldred and talk with him and be like a sponge and just have lunch with him once a, a week or so. and But we'll get to talk in heaven, I guess. But it'll be too late. I'll know everything then. So, all right. I want to do a lesson on forgiveness tonight, a lesson on forgiveness. So if if we do a lesson on forgiveness, what parable would be a good one to choose? What do you think? I'm asking a lot of questions, but it does get us to start. A product, okay, the prodigal son is a good one. That is, a, that is you know, it's interesting because that's almost a, a dual parable because one is on repentance, which was the case of the younger brother, but then in the case of the older brother, it was a parable of forgiveness, wasn't it? Yeah, it's really a very powerful story. And I want to let you guys know, I hope to, if the elders approve, and and I'll talk to Bobby and Howard, but have you seen uh, Howard's, show me if you have, Howard's modern day parable on the prodigal son? It's a, it's a movie, kind of a movie rendition. It's a, did you like it? I thought it was excellent, and I'd like to show it again, just because they make it very real and you can relate to the characters, and you get mad at the son for doing what he's doing. But I'd like to do that one Wednesday night to show Howard's DVD, which is a modern rendering of the prodigal son. 
So lesson on forgiveness, what do you think? Which one would be a good one to talk about? The unjust steward. Okay. Um, the unmerciful servant is the one that we're going to be the same thing. It just okay. The unmerciful servant. Uh, in let's turn to Matthew eighteen twenty one through thirty five. I'm going to get my iPad out. Turn my phone off so it won't ring. I need a bigger podium. Anybody got that and wants to read for us? Matthew 18, 21. Thirty-five. Anybody feel like reading tonight? Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant, as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Okay, so that, is that the right one, Wayne? Yes, sir. Good. Okay, good job. You nailed it. All right, so Peter, the the... the uh, context of this parable tonight is Peter in verse 21 comes up and apparently there's been something happening in Peter's life where maybe a fellow apostle has made him mad. Did the, did the apostles ever disagree? A lot. Yeah. Right. They got mad at each other. They, for example, James and John Asked the Lord, you know, the mother asked the Lord to give them positions of favor. And what does it say about the other apostles? They were indignant. How dare they? Boy, that, that was pretty uh, prideful for them to ask that favor. So, yeah, they, and, and, the, and even on the upper room, they were, they were disputing about what? Anybody remember? Which was the greatest? Who would be? Greatest, yeah. Man, it's like you said in your um, 
communion meditation Sunday, I mean, they, they've come in, they've seen Jesus riding on a donkey, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. They're casting down their cloaks and palm branches, and it's, it's a king's welcome. And they're thinking, man, this is, this is the beginning of something great. We're, we are going to be awesome. We're going to be rulers in, in, in this land, and God is going to make us great. So in the upper room, they're, they're continuing on that high, emotional high, thinking, this is awesome. You know, we're going to be, we're going to be part of Jesus's political party. I mean, we're the inner circle. So I think, I think I'm going to be his greatest, most powerful, you know, diplomat. No, 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 I am, you know. In the meantime, Jesus begins to derobe himself and, and get a basin of water. And do what? Wash feet. They're like, okay, what's wrong with this picture? So Jesus is a very humble, uh, gentle, loving spirit who serves and ministers. And he had no accolades of becoming a great political leader as his apostles thought. So whatever happened, we don't know what's going on with Peter, but apparently he's had a dispute with somebody. And Peter asked him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? How, it's, it's almost like, I know I've got to forgive him, but how many times? Just for the sake of argument, Lord, would seven, and you just threw the number out there, because in the mind of the Jews, seven is a number of perfection or completion, right? Seven is probably more than I'd be willing to do, but let's just say seven. Would that be enough? Jesus said to him, I don't say to you seven times, but 77 times. Do any of your translations say anything else? I was writing down 70 times seven. I don't know if... I think that's what it says. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's a big difference in translations. One is 77. Uh, Another translation um, says 70 times seven, which is 490 times. That was like a 70-fold increase. From what Peter, in other words, Peter was thinking seven is a stretch. Jesus said no, seventy times seven, which is just, I'm sure, blew him away, and he had no concept of how in the world could I keep up with you know, three hundred and twenty, three hundred twenty-one. I'm not even halfway yet. I've got to get up to. Wow. Four hundred ninety times. So at at some point, I think Peter realized. I don't think Jesus is talking numbers here. He's saying you have to be willing to forgive your brother on an unlimited basis, unconditional basis. Glenn, comment? Well, I I was just saying that the man's always looking for a finite everything. You know, there's a beginning and an end. Right. There's there's 490, and there's probably Peter might have even crossed his mind. Well, that would do it then. If I could do it for 490 times, <laughs> yeah. I'd meet the quota. And Jews were always constantly looking to meet the quota. Yeah. Get by. That's how we got Corbin. You know. Yeah. How can I can I keep this money? You know. Uh, I, I know what I'll do. I dedicate it to my folks. And there's always, we see this in politics, we see this in everyday life. I always say, look for the hook. And you say some politician comes out, and boy, have we got a deal for you. 
well, what's it going to cost? And then they tell you what it's going to cost. Okay, can you tell me how much that, and you start tracking it down to the finite numbers, and it, most time don't even make any sense what they're saying. And that's what Jesus is trying to make sense to them, to help them to understand, I'm infinite. You don't even get it. You don't even start to get it. And, you know, it's, it's amazing how they're like little kids. They run to Jesus. And Jesus, can you, you know, Rabbi, Rabboni, the, you know, when they really loved a rabbi, they call him Rabboni. Rabboni. Can, can, can you tell us this? And he'd tell them stuff that would just blow their minds, that they couldn't grasp it because it was an infinite wisdom, not a finite wisdom. Yeah, thank which, you. Which was theirs. So Peter's mind, I believe, he's probably just reeling from Jesus' answer. He's like, he can't get his head around 490 times. Like, there's no way. I don't have a door big enough to, to put all the chalk marks to keep up with the number of times I forgive this brother. That's absurd. You know, he's probably... You know, Peter, knowing Peter, he's probably saying something outrageous to Jesus, like, well, Jesus, that's just crazy. I can't do that. You know, that just sounds like Peter. But yet, then Jesus tells the story of a man who's forgiven a debt that's so incredible, it blows our mind to even think about how much he owed. I want to, I want to read an application, and I appreciate Eldred sharing this story. It's a true story. In the year 1818... I don't know how to pronounce the name. He's a king. T-A-M-A-T-O-E. It's like Tamato. Tamato, king of Huahain. It's in South Sea Island. True story. He became a Christian. Soon afterward, he discovered a vicious plot among his fellow natives to seize him and other converts to Christianity and burn them to death. Tamato organized a band of soldiers and ambushed the plotters, capturing them unawares and without violence. Then he set a huge feast before them at his banquet table. It was a gesture of forgiveness and a demonstration of the forgiveness of Christ. This unexpected kindness of Tamato surprised the native savages who then burned their idols, they became Christians too. The power of forgiveness is awesome. So, neat little story. So let's look at the application of this uh, story of the talents. So we have a man, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to, there's the parable to draw alongside. I'm going to tell you a physical story. I'm going to tell you a physical story that has a spiritual meaning, so listen carefully. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. One was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents. Now, I wanted to stop right there because I needed to figure out how much is a, a talent. First of all, what is a talent? Does anybody know? A talent is not actually a monetary value, it's a weight of measure, okay? That's interesting. And supposedly, a talent um, could weigh up to 75 pounds. 
That's one talent. 75 pounds of what? Well, in this case, they would either measure out gold or silver. So I, I want you to visualize putting one talent of silver in your trunk. All right? Now multiply that times 10,000. Is it beginning to sink in? This is going to be either gold or silver. It's estimated that 10,000 talents of metal, which would be either gold or silver, could be as much as 204 metric tons. 204 metric tons. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to believe. 26,000. Um, it's been estimated that a talent is thought to weigh 75 pounds. So if you took that in, in modern day terms, five talents would be about, five talents would make a person a multimillionaire. It's just, it's a huge, it's a huge sum probably un- unfathomable. I can't even really get my head around how much that would be. How could a guy owe that much to a, to a king, first of all? And, and what, I, what I find funny is that um, this, this master or king, he took, he took this man who was sold into slavery, his wife and his children and all that he had, in other words, I'm going to recoup some of my lost wages here, what this man owes and can never repay. So he sold, he sold his family into debtor's prison, and this man became a slave, basically. The man fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. All right, that's laughable. It would take him hundreds of lifetimes to even begin to start to pay off the debt. That makes sense? I, w- I want you all to understand how much... 10,000 talents is an incredible, incredible amount of money. So that's laughable when he says he's going to pay him everything. Out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. How do you think that man felt? He walks out now a free man. He has his wife and his children back and his home, and he's debt free. How would he feel when that happened? How would, how would you feel? Total release. You're, I mean, Un- unbelievable. I mean, this is better than the lottery. This is incredible. How, how could this man show me that much mercy to forgive me? For he, I deserve to be a slave. My family deserved to be slow, uh, sold into slavery. There's no way that I could have paid that back. Uh, one, one estimate, uh, Paulette, that I was researching said one talent was perhaps as much as 20 years wages back then. 20 years. Yeah. Yes, sir, Roy. I believe that if you look at today's standards, what he probably felt was he got over it because he would not have attacked his fellow servant if he had been thankful for what he was given. Okay, so talk about that, Roy. You have to talk into the microphone. Oh, there you go. Sorry. Now I can hear you. 
Um, how did how did that man? How do you think he felt when he went and then throttled this guy and said, "You owe me money. Pay up." I think he felt that uh, the guy was had the same symptoms that he thought he had when he when he felt that he got over. He didn't want this guy to get over on him. He wanted to be strong. He wanted to be a leader. He wanted to be on top. And he most of all wanted his money back because he, he, he craved his money. He wouldn't have went that far in debt to the master if he didn't. So he was he was pretty greedy to begin he was, with. He was self-centered and within, I believe. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair assumption. Opinion. That's not what it says in here. Yeah, I think that's a fair assumption. So this guy had just been forgiven a debt. There was no possible way in his lifetime or a hundred lifetimes he could have repaid the debt, and it was forgiven him. And then he goes and he chokes this poor guy that owes him. Let's see, how much did he owe? A hundred denarii. All right, now, relatively speaking, anybody know what a hundred denarii is? It's a, a little over half of a year's wages. About half a year's wages. Stacy, you had a comment? I like to think of this um, because I, I just think there's, there's more to it in, in my mind. So I look at him, this man that had borrowed from the king an enormous amount of money. What this reminds me of would be something like our modern bankruptcy, where someone goes, starts a business, borrows vast amounts of money, and it doesn't work. And goes before the court, wants to declare bankruptcy. And if if it's forgiven, of course, they've lost everything. But I can see maybe his good intentions. Uh, maybe he thought everything would have worked if the people he'd hired had done their jobs. If they hadn't, if they, in other words, if people had just treated me right, I wouldn't have been in this boat. And so this man owes him half a year's wages. That's substantial. Not not anywhere near as substantial as what he owed, but not even a comparison. It, no, but it's still it's it, it indicates there is someone that he thought it's probably his fault. I wouldn't be in this mess if it wasn't for people that didn't do what they were supposed to. Like this guy, right? Wow. Here, yeah. Who didn't pay me. If everybody had just done what I'd told them or paid them to do, I wouldn't have had to declare bankruptcy. So you think he was almost pointing fingers going, It's somebody yeah, else's it, fault. Instead of being grateful, yeah. He felt like a victim. Yeah. Life's unfair. Mm-hmm. In other words, you know, and I think that we can always find that. In, in anything good that happens to us, we could sit back and say, well, it would have been better if something else had happened and not be grateful for the, the good that we have, but to be, what's the right word? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm searching for the right word. It's a, it, we wanted what we didn't have. Even we're not grateful for what we have. We only cared about what we didn't have. Mm-hmm. And that's what I see this guy doing. And I he can, was entitled? Well, or just, you know, pointing fingers at others saying, my, instead of, instead of I got forgiven, because who goes around going, man, I'm so glad I got, you know, approved for bankruptcy. Who does that? But really, it, 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 it moves the debt off of them. Instead, there's shame and there's disappointment and there's failure, that, that sting of failure. And he, if people feel like that it's, not just all my fault. Other people, you know, kind of got me in this mess too. And, and it, it's, it's, it's the idea of 
I've been wronged and I want either revenge or compensation or something instead of, wow, look at, it could be worse. And look at the good that I, that I have. Look how much grace and mercy I've been shown. Right. Yeah. And so I, I, I see that when I hear the story. Sir. Uh, I just looked up denarii and in U.S. dollars, it's about $84,000. Mm. So it's pretty sizable debt, uh, not compared to what he accumulated. But nevertheless, yeah, that guy was, he was, that's something cautionary for us all. Yeah. You know, if we, if we could learn something from that, don't get into debt. It's like poison to your system, to your health to your everything Mm -hmm. and you know the bible god warns uh the jews he warns his children don't um what's the what's neither borrower or lender be well that's not in the bible though Mm -hmm. i used that one time and i got corrected by a good brother Mm -hmm. and i did a lot of hunting and it's not there Mm -hmm. that's uh, william shakespeare actually but I'm, i'm still saying there's a greater point here to learn and that's we can learn from this that's one of the things I've been thankful all my life. I had good, wise parents that brought me up, that and, and it was based on their faith in God and the Lord, that don't be spending money you don't have. Yes. Don't be borrowing money you don't need. Don't be extending and living beyond your means. That's, yes. That was God's word to them. That was biblical. It was more than just wise money conservation. Uh, who's this guy that everybody thinks is a real guru? Um, come on, you know his name. He's, he, huh? Who's the guy? Huh? Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey is an example. And Dave Ramsey gives uh, a lot of credit to the Bible and to the Lord and the power of the Lord in his life. He's wise enough to know, you didn't figure this out. It's in God's book. But basically is make the most of what you have and put what you have out to share with others. And this guy was doing none of that. Right. And so he was, he was always a borrower, not a lender. Uh, and, and he showed it, his double-heartedness and hard-heartedness. And the fact, he didn't, he didn't say, boy, have I learned a lesson. I'm going to cut this guy some slack. He didn't even say, hey, pay half of what you owe me, like that one wise steward that Jesus alluded to at the time where he said, well, I'll just give you 50% off. You know, and, and the Lord committed him that. I kind of had a little trouble with that when we were talking about that here a while back. But in fact, Jesus didn't see anything wrong with it because he said he was wise. He was shrewd. Yep, that's right. And so that's there's right. there's different shaded nuances in this, but we're a, a, a absolutely hard-hearted, mean-spirited, I will give you nothing. I will give you no slack. I will mm. give you no grace. I will give you no mercy. Mm-hmm. Have we ever seen people like that in this day? Yes. They're the first ones that, that were probably, in Jesus' time, was yelling, crucify him, crucify him. Right. Right. Probably a few uh, leaf layers when Jesus came into Jerusalem was yelling, crucify him. Interesting. I appreciate you kind of leading us into that thought. Um, microphone. I uh, appreciate you leading us into that thought, Glenn, because a point that uh, I, I read and I wanted to stress in this parable tonight is this is something we may not have thought about when it comes to forgiveness. All right, y'all ready? This is important. Forgiveness 
is conditional. All right, I'm going to say that one more time. Forgiveness is conditional. I'm going to show you why. Turn to Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. Let's read that together. All right, part of the parable on the mount, uh, the uh, sermon on the mount, and in verse 9, he tells them how to pray. It says, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors, down in verse 12, lead us not into temptation to deliver us from evil. So forgive us our debts, how? What's that condition? As we forgive others. As we, like we, all right, here's the condition. This is the premise. Our debts are going to be forgiven, conditioned upon how we forgive others the debts they owe us. Does that sound a little bit like this parable? You see, the man had been given a debt that he could never, ever pay back ever in his lifetime or probably a hundred lifetimes. He was forgiven that debt, yet he throttled the guy, choked him, and said he was going to throw him in prison because he owed him a very small amount of money in, in relation to what he had just been forgiven. Then, what does it say about the servants who observed his behavior? What happened at that moment? What did those servants do who saw what happened? They reported to the master. They went back and said, hey, you need to hear about what just happened. Remember the guy that you forgave this huge, incredible debt? You let him go. You didn't imprison his children, his wife, or him. He just put a guy in prison because he owed a small sum. Well, that just changed everything, didn't it? Then what did the master do when he heard that news? He said, all right, I have reversed my decision And now you owe me again. You have not shown mercy as I showed mercy to you. That was the whole point Jesus was trying to show to Peter. Peter, you've got to show mercy because your father has shown great mercy to you. You must in turn show mercy to others if you want to receive mercy. Comment? Okay. All right, so... And down in in verse 14 and 15... Uh, Jesus expounds on that a little bit. He says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Does that sound conditional to you? Let me read it again. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Now, if I were to change that and say, If you do not forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. Have I spoken truth? Yeah. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. See, it's condition. Forgiveness, and this is so important. I cannot stress this enough. When we stand before the Lord on the day of judgment, And we're trembling, we're shaking. People are hiding for rocks and pleading and begging for mercy. It's all going to boil down to, church, have we been merciful toward those 
who owe us, who have been mean-spirited toward us or been our enemy? Have we been gracious and kind and merciful toward them? Have we prayed to God on their behalf and asked God to forgive them? If we've done that in our heart, then and only then can we stand before the Lord and expect God to be merciful to us. Bottom line. So if you've got a war going on with somebody, if you've got a grudge match, or one of those things where you know what I'm talking about, it's back and forth and back and forth, and it's never ending, man, I just I wouldn't want to stand before God being in that position where I have not been humble and forgiving and kind towards someone, even if they were mean toward me, even if they were my sworn enemy, I'd rather be kind toward them and just ask God for justice on that day. I'm not perfect. I've made mistakes. I've sinned, and I need, I need mercy from God. So my best insurance is to be merciful toward others. I mean, that, that's the bottom line, to be merciful toward others, even if they're unkind toward me, to be merciful. If I understand Matthew 6, 14 and 15, that's truth. Comments? Bobby? Yes, I think. Uh, is this not on? Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, as this parable, as we uh, listen to it, we think about the monetary value that this guy owes. Put ourselves in this guy's position. Right, right. No amount of money that we can ever give will get us to heaven. Amen. God is forgiving us of our sins, no matter how big. Or mm-hmm. and then we can we can look at money and see how much it is. Right. We need to look at our sin. God forgives us of that. Yes. Then He turns right around in this parable. He forgives us, but then we go out and don't forgive yes. of our brothers. Absolutely. And we're going to pay for it. That's the reason we, he says he goes back. Right. Absolutely. So, Abs- it's, it's just such a simple concept, but one that we don't, when we get into grudge matches and hate contests and back and forth and back and forth, and, and it just escalates. And, and all of a sudden, what we find is when we, when we can't, and y'all help me out here because maybe you've had the struggle in your life when you've, had, you've been called upon to try to forgive somebody and you're like, I can't do it. I just can't. I can't do it. What does that do to you when you can't forgive? Right, but what does it do to you as a person? It tears you apart. It does. Okay, it it it, it just—it's like a cancer. But it, you can just go so far with somebody who does that, because there are people out there that no matter how much you try, yes, and you try to forgive them, that grudge match never ends. Right, and you're the one that has to carry the burden. Right, you have to get you. Ha- that's when I think you have to let them go. Yep. You and, turn it over to God, Lisa, and, don't you? And you and I don't think you're going to be I don't know if you call that all against your brother or what. Mm-hmm. Because if it is, then I need to go right now because there's there's people out there that no matter what you do to them right. and how well you try, right. They're not going to let it go. Well, they're see, they're going to take that knife and keep going down your back every forgiveness time. Forgiveness 
isn't based upon how they treat you. Forgiveness is based upon the condition of your heart and how you treat them, right? But if but if every time you go around right. this person right. or these people right. and they're bringing you down, yes. I think it's better to let pray to God yeah. and stay away from them. You just distance yourself and and try try not to bring undue stress or or anger upon yourself because all it does is makes anger to right, you right. it calls you give you build up animosity right. and you just have to keep praying yeah. and you pray for them and now you, you don't go down to the local store and tell 20 people how evil they are i mean you know no, you know what i'm saying people, people see it well i i'm i'm just saying if we continue to be gracious and loving and forgiving and that's the choice we make. God sees that, and he'll bless us, right? And, and at least a person who, who has, has the power to forgive can sleep at night and say, I've done the best I can, and I've turned this over to God. If there's any vengeance, you know, to be done, that's God's that's, department. That's God's place. That's, that's up to the Lord. I'm not, vengeance is not mine. Vengeance is the Lord's. I'm going to be kind toward this person, and if and if I see them on the side of the road and their car smoking, I'm going to stop and I'll be kind. I'm going to treat them like I would anybody else. That's hard to do. Really yeah, but is. if you don't, then you've done wrong. Right. That's right. And, but and if you walk on by and say, "Hey," they'll yeah. Hope you burn up in that car. Yeah. Then. Then you better be asking forgiveness. Yeah, the devil. See, the devil is going to use that as an opportunity to embitter our heart. Think of Sarah and Hagar. Y'all remember them? How did they do getting along? Not so good. Do you think they ever forgave each other? And and you know when I was when I was studying this idea of forgiveness and being merciful, what if what if Sarah had the capacity to say to Hagar, you know what, I kind of put you in this situation to begin with. I gave you my husband and told him to have children by you, and now you did what I asked you to do. And let's just let bygones be bygones and see if we can live with each other and tolerate each other and. Let the boys grow up, you know. What, think about how that might have changed, but now what we have is the Arab race, right, who is at war with another race, and all the bloodshed and, and the horrible things that have happened since then as a result of two nations warring with each other. Think about that because of the, the root of bitterness. Uh, Stacy, you had a comment? Along these lines, I, my favorite scripture on forgiveness is Mark, uh, excuse me, uh, Luke 7. Okay. It's the story of the woman who comes and anoints Jesus' feet when yes. he's at Simon's home. And the, the main point is, is that everyone at that table despised this woman. Yes. Because they, they knew what kind of woman she was. She was absolutely and utterly despised. And yeah. they were indignant that she was even there in the first place. She didn't deserve to be in the house. And where they were uh, somewhat um, recoiling at the fact that Jesus was even letting her touch him at all. That's right. how much yes. uh, just 
disgust these people had for her. But she bore that and did something to Jesus. We all know the story. But his response is the one that I keep reading over and over. I feel like that God in Scripture tells us plenty of things not to do, but he backs it up with, now instead of doing, now instead of those things here, do these things. Do so this that, instead. Yes, so that you're not left empty. Right. And so you, you have, when it comes to forgiveness, he says, like in Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, if someone steals from you, don't demand it back. If someone borrows from you, don't expect repayment, right? So that's the, okay, I need to not demand justice. I need to not do that. But it doesn't really answer the question of, of course, if you read on, it does. But well, then what should I do instead? And he says to Simon about this woman who did this to him in front of them, expecting nothing in repayment, and being despised, not by Jesus, but by certainly everybody else in that room, and that sense of loss that she felt, he said, her sins are forgiven because she loved much. And then says, but whoever has forgiven little, loves little. And so, if, I am, if God is love, and if I'm supposed to love my neighbor and my enemy even, he who has forgiven little loves little. I can't escape that verse. That's, that's the gold standard. It doesn't actually matter at all how people receive it, their reaction to it. She was doing what she did out of love, not because she expected some sort of approval or something in return at all. And that's uh, extraordinary. If we're supposed to love our enemies and this is what that means. That's up there. Tough. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Stacy. Um, you guys probably know the Devo song. Uh, he paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. It, that's really the story of Jesus. Jesus left heaven. The perfection of heaven was a perfect entity on earth, a man in a body of flesh who never sinned, but yet because he was perfect and sinless, he met that requirement of paying my debt penalty that I could never, I could never repay. But yet he hung on the cross and shed blood for me, my sin. He paid my debt and reconciled me to God, right? I now have that ability to say I'm saved not because of what I did. I'm saved because of what Jesus did for me. And God in his mercy and his love and in his justice accepted Jesus Christ. But yet what really blows my mind is when I see Jesus on that cross, when they're walking by and wagging their heads and hurling insults at him, what did Jesus say? Father, for give them they they don't really know what they're doing forgive father for, stunned I'm just stunned to hear jesus say that i want to close with one thought um i heard a young lady being interviewed recently on on the television she had had a lot of garbage in her life she had been in a relationship that was very destructive and harmful okay maybe you know somebody like that 
Maybe you've been in a relationship like that. I don't know. But I've talked to people and counseled with individuals who have a hard time forgiving and letting go, right? Because they have hurt someone they love or have been hurt by someone, and it's hard to say, I forgive you. Uh, They asked her about some statements that she had made in a book that she wrote about this relationship. And they said, we find it remarkable that you had the capacity to forgive. She said, well, I don't, I don't think you really understand. She said, I learned forgiveness. It's not really about the other person. You see, forgiveness is what I do for me. I do it for myself. If I can learn to forgive someone then that gives me peace. It's part of your own healing to forgive. And so I think, I think in our life, to have the, the very mind of Christ and a, and a heart of Christ and that humility of Christ, it's where we learn to take those who are our enemies and say, I forgive you. What do you mean you forgive me? I still hate your guts. Okay but I forgive you. And I'll pray for you and ask that God bless you, but I forgive you. Tough. But yet, if we want mercy on that day, we stand before the Lord, he's going to want to know, how did we do when it comes to forgiving others? Glenn? It's easy, it's easy to roll off our lips and talk about it. Yeah. Y'all come in, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, that attitude, that attitude you almost see when Stacy was conveying the religious leaders who were in the presence of a woman who was a sinner, and they felt she wasn't worthy. You know, they felt somehow superior. Uh, they were indignant that she was there, but yet Jesus showed great, Jesus showed mercy toward her. But anyway, great parable. And if we could, if we could just learn this one simple concept, forgiveness is conditional. We will receive forgiveness when we're able to give forgiveness unconditionally to others. On that day when we need it the most, we'll be glad that we were merciful and kind.
All right. Thank you for your comments and thoughts tonight. How did it go tonight, Wanda? Good? All right. Appreciate you teaching Meg's class. She got a night off. All right. So uh, we'll continue in the, in the uh, parables next week, and we appreciate you being here tonight. I know it's fall break. We have some that are away, but in an invitation song, in just a moment, we're going to have, uh, who's our song leader tonight? Oh, Dale. Great. And then after our song, uh, we'll have announcements, and then I think, uh, Roy, are you leading our prayer tonight? Okay. So if you have any special prayer requests or updates or health announcements, Roy can write those down for our prayer request. So just in conclusion on our class tonight, we did, we did a study of the, um, the unforgiving servant, the one that was forgiven a huge debt, and then he turned around and tried to collect a small debt and showed no mercy, no grace after he had received incredible grace and mercy from his master. We have been forgiven an incredible debt. When Jesus hung on that cross and shed his blood for our sin, and I think there shouldn't be a day that goes by where we don't say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. And we need to realize that we have a duty to forgive others. Maybe there's somebody here tonight that's struggling with that forgiveness of others. Maybe you're harboring anger, grudges, um, and you're not being Christian-like towards someone who's not been kind towards you. It's tough to love your enemies. It's tough to show mercy towards your enemies, but yet that's what Jesus calls us to do. So we offer this invitation to you tonight, whatever your struggle, whatever your need may be, if we can offer up a prayer, we'd be honored. But uh, we appreciate you being here. Let's sing an invitation song. Dale leads us, number 546, and we ask you to stand and sing. Dale? Trouble sometimes are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedom we all hold dear, now is at stake. Drum moves hearts to God, safe from the chastening rod. Seek the way, pilgrims trod, Christians awake. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will meet their doom, trumpets will sound. All the dead shall rise, righteous meet in the skies, going where no one dies, heavenward bound. Trumpets will soon be o'er, happy forevermore. When we meet on that shore, free from all care, rising up in the sky, telling this world goodbye, homeward we then will fly, glory to share. Jesus is coming soon. I'll be seated. Thank you, Dale. Welcome to the lineup. Glad to have Dale as one of our singers now, song leaders. 
By the way, I wanted to say congratulations to our Bible Bowl group. We're just so proud of our young people, all of our youth. We're proud of you and love you, and we need you, and we're just excited to have you at Stroudsville and be, be here when we're not here anymore. You'll be leading us and, and be the church. But uh, they did make it to the Sweet 16 and, and actually almost made it to the, I think, Final Four. Is that right? Came close. But uh, we just appreciate your dedication and Shannon's leadership and, and helping you study and uh, what's our Bible book next year? Matthew? All right, good. I'll start studying so I can do better on the throwdown. All right. Glenda Albright had cataract surgery. Brian says she's doing well. Uh, her eye's still a little bit fuzzy. Oh, Glenda's right there. Hey, Glenda. I didn't see you. Maybe I need cataract <laughs> surgery. Glad you're here. Uh, ladies' Sung Group will not meet tomorrow. Saturday, October 15, the ladies are going to brunch at the Thicket. That's uh, Shannon's house. Uh, 10 a.m., sign up on the sheet in the bulletin board if you want to attend. Men's Retreat's coming up at Kentucky Dam Village. We appreciate Howard arranging that. He could not be here tonight, but we have several men that will be going. And a good, information, a good time for fellowship and... Um, so we, we pray that our men will be safe as they travel up there. Meals on Wheels is this coming Sunday. We're preparing meals for 10 people. See Christy if you have questions. The Area Wide Youth Devo is this Sunday at 5 p.m. at Hillcrest. The bus will leave the building at 4.20. 4.20. If you want to ride to the Devo, you can see Ryan for more information. All teachers and assistants that teach... In our Bible classes, also those who are involved in VBS, we have a special night. It's a teacher banquet, Saturday, October 22, at 6 p.m., right here in the Fellowship Hall. So come and enjoy the, uh, the teacher banquet and let us honor you for teaching. The ladies are invited to a diaper and wipe shower. That will be for Becca Lacombe and Madison Wallace, Sunday, October 23rd. At 2 p.m., Becca is expecting a boy, Madison expecting a girl. We thank the Wallaces for the addition to our numbers at Stroudsville. They've done quite well. The young men are going to be conducting an evening service October 30, and uh, if you want to participate, see me. We're going to meet Sunday morning and talk about that, but the uh, theme is the fear of God, the fear of God. All right, any other announcements, special updates, uh, reports? Prayer request, anybody? Go ahead, and then we'll get Wanda. Yes. Okay. Okay. So she will be going to a rehab specialty, so she's stable, showing some improvement. That's good. Okay. Some confusion. Okay. Thank you for that update. This was the niece, great niece and nephew that were in a real serious car wreck. Tom's great niece and nephew. That happened the weekend we were at, uh, at the camping trip, and uh, just a shock. Just goes to show that your life can change in a matter of a moment. So we pray for their continued health and improvement. All right. And, and then Wanda. Yes, Wanda. Yes. 
Okay. I'm so sorry. Yeah, and we want to remember, too, our, our sister um, Patsy, who's recovering from her heart surgery. And I also thought we'd mention Wayne. Um, so Wayne King is struggling now as a widower and the loss of his wife. And uh, I'm sure it's going to be hard, you know, when the, when the cards stop and the phone stops ringing and he's there by himself. It's going to be hard. So just keep him in mind. Anyone else? Appreciate all of you being here tonight. What's our count? Eight to four? Okay, 84. If there's no more announcements, I'll ask Roy to come up and dismiss us. And um, y'all be safe going home and, and uh, have a good rest of the week. Roy? Yeah, Margie's, Margie's having a hard time. We've been to see her several times, and uh, she, she loves visits. She appreciates visits. She gets a little scared at night by herself. And we're still concerned about her confusion, her dementia. And so Susan and Lisa are aware of these things and trying to monitor it. But just pray for her. It's not a good situation for her to be at home by herself. All right. Roy. Let us pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Dear Lord, we're very grateful and awed of the watch that you had upon our family. We ask that you be with each and every one of our family here at Stroudsville and throughout our community, that we will do that which is needed to do your will and to shine your light before men. We ask, dear Lord, at this time that you give special consideration for the following folks. We ask that Beverly King's family, Wayne, the widower, and her children, that you be with them. You comfort them, and you allow them that they may reach out to us at any time, that we may help them through this difficult walk. Give us the courage, the strength, and the knowledge to do what needs to be done to comfort her, to comfort them in the loss of their mother and their wife. We ask that you be with Margie. She was... She's going through the early stages of dementia, and Susan and her other daughter is trying to take care of her the best they can. We ask that you be with the caregivers, that they can work with her. But foremost, we ask that you put within our hearts to go by and talk to her and to bring forth your love and your devotion because you served this community for many years in this church. And we ask, dear Lord, that as we do this, that you guide us in thought and prayer. We ask you to be with Bill and BJ. As Bill goes through recovery, we ask that you help him to bring himself on board so he can get his courage and his strength back, and assume his role of protecting and providing for his family. We also ask that we, ask that we be given the insight to help them as we need to help them. We ask that you be with uh, Tommy and Virginia Fortner as they go through their 
later trials of life, Virginia with cancer and Tommy with the onset of dementia. But most of all, we ask that you be with Dana as she takes care of her mother and father. And you be with that family and allow them that they will stand strong through this and you, as you bring forth healing into the Virginia, that she can return back to her community to work in your name. We ask that you be with Howard Fraser and the medical problems that he's starting to develop. Keep him strong. He's a good leader, and we appreciate him that you brought him to the church here. And we ask, dear Lord, that you be with him and his dear bride to give the courage and the strength and bring forth your guidance unto our family to keep us strong and together. We also ask, dear Lord, that you be with the Sunday school teachers of the congregation, those teachers that spend their free time and bring forth with to bring us your word, to develop our minds, and to allow us to know your will and motivate us to read your word. We ask, dear Lord, that you be with Donna Boatwright's nieces, her great niece and nephew, as they go through the healing process of an accident. We do appreciate the development and how they've come so far. And we ask, dear Lord, that as you bring them forth and bring them into them, that you, you allow them to see in us the love that you presented to us through Christ. We ask that you be with Karen Robertson so that she can develop and heal from the heart surgery that she recently had. We ask that you give her the, the, the healing and the touch, if it be your will, that only you can do for her. We ask that you be with our sister Patsy as she also recovers from her heart surgery. We ask that you be with John as he helps her and works with her. Uh, John said today that it was a real education to know how much Patsy really done around the house as he tries to fulfill and help her and to keep things going in the family. That shows that He's got good motivation. He's got good spirit. We ask that he not lose the spirit. And we ask that you bring his beloved bride back to full health so she can come back and walk with him through, his, through the days that you have given us. And most of all, Lord, as we leave this congregation, as we leave, we, I, we ask that you give us thought of our children and those that you have preceded that's going to Replace us and stand firm in your word. We ask that you give us the guidance and give us the intuitive notion to be able to see those things that they need to fight the battles that need to be fought in the world. We ask, dear Lord, that you be with our government. 
I know that we don't deserve it, but we ask that you be with us and bring forth your word and to bring forth the strength within your body to try to perform those tasks that they must perform to ensure that you're not forgotten in this country. Thank you, Lord, for being with those of us that walk in the light as, as you have developed and as you are in the light. And we ask that what we can do to help our, help our fellow brothers and sisters and to help those in the world that are in total darkness to see the error of their ways. This we ask in Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen.